You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. More importantly, we love and appreciate your support. On tonight's podcast, we uh, we have the wonderful pleasure of discussing Winnipeg versus Columbus. And then after I talk about the game, I kind of want to talk about some increasingly worrying trends with this team. Some stuff is not super shocking. We've talked about it on previous episodes. Some stuff is maybe a little bit on the newer side and ultimately whether it's it's time to start panicking yet or if there's still time to turn it around. Spoiler alert, I, I don't think it's like panic panic time, but there's also some stuff that I'm kind of like, yeah, the Jets need to correct this as soon as humanly possible. Let's start off with the game, though. Uh, so, you know, the, the Jets went on the road to Columbus, and this is a team that they don't really play very often. The Blue Jackets this year are, are not too bad. They're a pretty decent team. They seemingly have turned a bit of a corner under the new head coach, Brad Larson. This team is still very much a work in progress, but at, at least from Columbus's perspective, there's a lot more to like than in previous seasons. Under the last years of Tortorella, Columbus was something of a hot mess. This Jackets team is young, they're fast, they're energetic, they're seemingly um, a lot more aggressive. You can kind of tell that Pascal Vincent has had something of an impact on this team alongside Larson's philosophy. And in tonight's game, I kind of felt like Columbus was probably going to eke out a win somehow. What I didn't really expect was for the Jets to just sort of die. Um, so the first period, this was probably the liveliest uh, 20 minutes of the entire game. Winnipeg and Columbus both exchanged blows pretty heavily. I felt like the Blue Jackets got the more dangerous opportunities. Winnipeg had some really ugly turnovers and stuff. I thought the Jets just looked a little bit sluggish um, and, and certainly... When Winnipeg would have offensive opportunities, they were looking for more like uh, point shot deflections and things that, in my mind, aren't nearly as dangerous. Whereas Columbus was getting into the, into the slot, looking for cross-slot passes, um, going from high to low rapidly on diagonal routes to try and pick apart Winnipeg's defensive structure, and occasionally it got very close to working. It was only thanks to Connor Hellebuck and some very fortunate clearances from guys like Dylan DeMello that the Jets were able to keep it nothing-nothing for at least the first part of the game. As the period wore on, though, I kind of got the sense that at some point the Jets would concede. It just didn't feel like Winnipeg was particularly active in the right areas. You know, the Jets were running up the shot clock, but it didn't feel like all that many were super dangerous. I think on the whole, Winnipeg was actually um, uh, like the expected goals winner in this game even though uh, for both teams it was under under two expected goals by a pretty fair margin. I think both were pretty close in total for expected goals, but it's not like either team was super dangerous, I would say. Uh, Columbus, for me, was the more dangerous of the two, but I don't know that either team was like, 
offensively running at the races, right? This was this was a pretty cagey game, I guess I would say, and you could tell where there were stretches where just neither team could really score. Finally, though, late into the first period, Gregory Hoffman, who I've never heard of, um, I don't know if he's like a rookie or something, but he scored his second goal of the season, this one off of a bad Josh Morrissey offensive zone pinch. Morrissey kind of got caught and took a high stick from uh, Max Domi, and then it created a two-on-one rush the other way. Uh, Columbus then converted, and just like that, the Jets were down. In the remaining minutes of the period, the Jets kept trying to take a lot of deflections and point shots and stuff, but nothing really felt all that dangerous. Um, And it just, in general, I kind of feel like the Jets are falling into this weird pattern of being offensively a bit toothless. Uh, Winnipeg has not really scored many goals in their past several games. The last goal was Dominic Toninato, and he was apparently the first Jets goal in like 120 minutes of hockey, so that's not great. Uh, Winnipeg's shooting and, and certainly the shooting regression that they're currently experiencing right now, it's putting them under, but I don't think it's the only issue. Yeah, the Jets are a little bit unlucky, and they have been getting goalied here and there, but on the whole, I think Winnipeg's issues are probably a little bit more self-inflicted than I would like. The second period, it was kind of more the same. No one actually scored, but it was just a very dry, dull period where neither team was really able to create a lot of space. Even still, I think Columbus was the better team. I think when they had opportunities, they created the more dangerous chances right in front of Hellebuck. Helly had to make some great stops, and at the other end, I thought um, Merzlikens was okay. He made some pretty good stops against Winnipeg and seemed more or less up for the task. He definitely had a nice shutout this evening, but in the second period, again, he didn't have like a ton of super dangerous opportunities to deal with, but you know, for the, the shots that he was given, I thought he handled them well. Winnipeg had a couple of power play opportunities, and Merzlikens was more or less wise to most of the shot attempts. The Jets at even strength didn't really test them all that much, and so it was just a very slow affair in the second period. The first, like, 40 minutes of this game, it just felt like the Jets kind of didn't show up. And it's been a little bit of a recurring theme at times over this dry stretch where I think a couple of tweaks have happened to the point where the Jets, they're kind of stuck in neutral. And so, um... I don't know if it's something that's going to be like a long-term issue, but we'll kind of explore what the uh, the potential ramifications are and how the Jets might work out of it after we finish talking about this game. Before we move on and talk about the third period, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about why Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market. Are you someone who loves protein bars? Are you tired of all of your favorite protein bars tasting like ash and dirt? Maybe you're ready for a change. And as a fellow protein bar appreciator, I can tell you that Built Bar is your best alternative. It's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It comes in several delicious flavors like salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and so many other great flavors. Built Bar often releases very special, limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good, so stay tuned to their social media platforms and their website to make sure you never miss another flavor. As delicious as Built Bars are, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. Built Bars are perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. Placing your order couldn't be easier. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Place your order today for the best tasting protein bar on the market. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. 
We are finishing up our, our thoughts on Winnipeg's game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, the first couple of periods, not so great. Uh, the Jets basically just could not get anything going. And even when they had some okay offensive chances, you know, Columbus's defense and Merzlikens and net ended up shutting down Winnipeg's chances. And so, you know, the third period, I thought that there was a slim chance the Jets could claw back in, but it just didn't feel all that likely. When the team is kind of playing like it is right now, scoring goals becomes an arduous task. There's just not really a way for the Jets to uh, to, well, to kind of get the monkey off the back. And I think there's a couple of uh, primary issues with that. But before we talk about those issues, you know, uh, recapping the third period, the Jets just kind of fell apart. And it wasn't like they didn't generate any offensive opportunities whatsoever. That said, it, it just really wasn't enough. And then the Jets had to uh, go on the PK, which... We all know the PK does not kill penalties. The only way that it does is by conceding. And no surprise, Zach Wierenski scored on the right faceoff circle, makes it 2 nothing. and at this point I'm just like, yeah, it's probably game over. I know that the Jets have had really quick comebacks in other games. We've seen them do it against teams that, frankly, never expected the Jets to be back in it. Sometimes Winnipeg has even scored 3-plus goals. It's been a crazy time when they do that, but this game did not feel like that kind of energy at all. In fact, it felt like the Jets were just kind of defeated, and it, it you could kind of see the body language and the frustration from not being able to score. It just uh, started to compound and weigh heavily on the team. Um, and, you know, at the end of the game, the Jets had to pull the, the goalie with like three or four minutes left, and in the ensuing chaos, Columbus basically shot a puck from the defensive zone. It goes in for goal number three, and just like that, the game is over. I feel like this game has kind of been part of this growing trend of the Jets really struggling to find any sort of scoring opportunities. Even when they've made some good lanes and stuff, immediately it gets saved or blocked or cleared. And so, you know, the Jets kind of need to find advantages elsewhere. And the power play being as poor as it is continues to be a, a major sticking point for this team. In years past, the power play was one of the most important facets of how the Jets created offense. And while... I wouldn't say that that's the most sustainable or healthy way to do it. It is a way to uh, kind of balance out your finishing opportunities if you're struggling at even strength. And so I was kind of hoping that maybe tonight would be a bit better from the Jets. You know, the Blue Jackets did give Winnipeg some space and there were certainly opportunities to score, but the Jets power play itself just didn't really have a lot of movement, not a lot of motion. It didn't feel like it was all that dangerous. And then we also saw Riley Nash on the power play still. And I just don't understand that. I, I feel like the Jets, they're trying to fit um, square pegs into round holes, I guess, because they see that there is a problem, but they don't know how to solve it. Their solutions are give Wheeler more ice time, reunite Wheeler with Shifley, uh, put Cop with that unit. There's just all of these solutions that don't really get down to like the core aspects that are problems with this team. I still think that this squad has the potential to be pretty good, but if they can't figure out how to work around some of the shooting percentage slumps and some of their players ghosting right now, it's going to be a tougher season. Winnipeg's depth players haven't really been able to compensate for the top six's lack of production, and I don't know if, if it's something that can really be fixed by adding personnel or if they just need to overhaul the way that they think of uh, their third and fourth lines and how they interact. You know, oftentimes the Jets have used one line is like their physical forechecking defensive line, while the other line provides a little bit more scoring depth. Um, I just feel like neither line has been able to compensate effectively, and I feel like the personnel alignment doesn't really make a lot of sense. You know, Zvechnikov probably should be higher up in the lineup 
Veselainen should be higher up. Um, Janssen Harkins probably should be put on the fourth line. He doesn't really tick off enough boxes for me to continue to get as much ice time as he does, and I feel like his spot could be better used in, you know, a, a more offensive role for somebody like Veselainen or um, Zvechnikov. I don't know. There are some options there that I think could be done. Zvech right now is currently on the third line. I'd probably bump him up at some point. You know, the Jets have this tendency of, again, fitting lines together that don't really make a lot of sense. Um, when I saw 81, 80, and 71 put together, I was skeptical, but that line ended up absolutely killing it. And we didn't really see it at all in tonight's game, which has been kind of a recurring trend over the past couple of games. For some reason, the coaching staff has split that unit and is trying to devote more ice time to guys like Blake Wheeler. And while I do understand that, and I, I can, to a point, accept wanting to give Wheeler the best deployments, there has to come a point at which the team and Wheeler are very honest about what kind of role he can play. You know, he's still an effective player in certain uh, scenarios, and if you get him in the right fit, he can actually still put out and produce. But as it is right now, of course, it's just not really working out, and the more that the Jets try to force him to work out, the worse this team is going to perform. So it's it's just been frustrating, and I think tonight's game, it reminds people of why the Jets are still not really there yet. There's a lot there that's improved over the former foundations, but in, in terms of the stuff that would make this team like uh, a cup contender or a favorite of some sort, it's just not really coming together yet. So there's a lot of work to do. Getting shut out by the Blue Jackets 3-0 on the road isn't normally like an end-of-the-world scenario, but I do think that there are some worrying signs that are starting to manifest themselves with this team. And certainly some of the coaching decisions I've got some real questions about. So I'll talk about those issues and what it might result in later in the season um, in just a moment. But before we talk about that, I thought you should hear a little bit about why BetOnline.ag is your number one stop for all your online betting needs. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Into another sport? No problem. BetOnline has your back with European football, soccer, NASCAR, MLS, MLB, NBA, every kind of sport imaginable is at your fingertips. Go to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From all your favorite sports right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the safest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. So start your winning path today. Sign up for a free account at betonline.ag and don't forget promo code LOCKEDON at registration. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are uh, closing out tonight's episode with some thoughts on, well, some trends that are starting to develop with this team. Right now, the Jets are kind of having a bit of a shooting slump, which with this franchise is actually pretty rare. It's not often that the Jets struggle to score goals, um, even when the team has been very poor, which, you know, the past few years would certainly qualify. Scoring was still something the Jets did with relative ease, and maybe they were a bit lucky, I think part of it was having a very effective power play and certainly the kind of shooting talent that most teams very much do covet. It's just this year, it's it's kind of been more of the inverse where the Jets at even strength are actually not bad at all. In fact, they can be pretty good. But, you know, the the offensive production has kind of dried up in terms of actually finishing on the chances they're creating. And some of that I do think is a little bit self-inflicted. 
one of the things that the Jets are, are, are really trying to do this year is still keep Blake Wheeler um, in like a top six role, which for me, I think that's a huge mistake. You know, Blake is probably more like a third liner at this point. And I think if you want to make the most of having uh, a really good top six unit, you know, your first two lines that you can just basically throw out against anyone, then having Wheeler on either of these lines probably doesn't fit. And it, it also makes me wonder what you do with Shifley. Mark really hasn't been at his best for a while now. Um, and even though he did start off this year pretty decently, I feel like his play over the last several games has kind of gone back to where he was last year, which it's not like he doesn't produce at all, but he's just not really being an effective offensive creator the way that we know he can be. It just seems like he's there, and that's kind of it. And so I, I'm a little bit troubled by that trend. You know, Shifley uh, is certainly one of the guys that the team wants to lean on. Um, the Jets are trying to lean on Blake, but I don't really have any real expectations for that because, again, Wheeler at this stage of his career, he's not really the kind of guy that drives play or scores a ton of points anymore. Shifley is still in that prime age, and yet he's just not really as engaged or as active as I would like him to be, which it's disappointing. I was kind of hoping that this year would be maybe a big chance for him to kind of reassert his his leadership on this team and show off his his brand of high octane offensive hockey while still having you know some two-way acumen but it kind of seems like that that brief start that he had maybe wasn't sustainable I don't know but the reason that the Wheeler thing in particular does stick out to me is because it also kind of throws a monkey wrench in the other lines for some reason Connor Dubois and uh, Svechnikov got broken up which I don't really get if you have a line that's basically dominating every single matchup, then going away from it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, for some reason, the Jets have tried to fix a problem that doesn't exist. This line is very good. You don't need to shoehorn somebody else there. They tried Wheeler on that line. Didn't work. Now Wheeler's back with Shifley and Kopp. It doesn't really work that well either, but Svech needs to go back up on that right-handed side. I think he's a much better fit for Dubois and Connor, and I think that they have very good chemistry, and I don't really understand the need to try and engineer a solution when there was not really a problem with that line. All three lines, in fact, that were part of the top nine originally were a lot more effective than what we're seeing now. Um, maybe the Shifley and Wheeler unit didn't score, but in terms of generating offensive zone possession and creating good passing lanes and stuff, that unit actually succeeded well with Lowry on the left wing. So I don't really get this whole over-engineering when there's not really a problem with the way that it was before. Even if you hit a bit of a cold streak, you just have to roll with it and let the team start to score. Eventually, things will kind of work out, and I think in Winnipeg's case, if that unit had started to slow down, I think they would have broken through after a couple of games. So that is is definitely an issue, and I also feel like the, the blue line itself right now is still not really participating in the way that it should. It's taking a lot of point shots and stuff, but none of that is very effective. Sometimes you'll deflect something and it goes by your opponent, but generally speaking, goalies are, are, are pretty wise to that, especially nowadays. So the Jets need to add more versatility and variety to their game. Uh, if they're using defenders who are trying to drop below, you know, the faceoff circles and whatnot, make sure that you don't aggressively pinch and overcommit and have situations like the one where we saw with the, uh, the Hoffman goal this evening. You know, Morrissey kind of got caught a little bit and his partner didn't really have a chance to make a good play. Kyle Connor definitely needed to backcheck more aggressively. I thought his effort was very below par, but either way, just a bit of a rough sequence, and Morrissey has had trouble with this play before, so 
you know, if the, if the D are going to activate, I think they have to do it in the right way. It can't just be flinging a puck from distance and kind of hoping for the best. I, I do think that some of the stuff is going to impact the Jets long-term if they don't get around to fixing it. The penalty kill isn't going to change this year. It hasn't changed in years, so you just kind of have to live with it. But the power play not scoring, that's a big issue. Um, and certainly the lack of offensive scoring at even strength, it's going to be a problem if they can't start to turn it around. And maybe they should try just reuniting some of the lines that were working. Go back to 81, 80, and 71. That unit absolutely killed it. Uh, I don't understand why you would go away from it, but that is classic Winnipeg management and hockey in a nutshell. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on how this team is playing and what you would change, if anything, or if you think I'm crazy. Be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's podcast, though, that is going to do it. Thanks for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. Uh, the next time you'll probably be hearing from us is maybe over the weekend. It is American Thanksgiving for us, so I'm not going to be recording for the next couple of days, but you may get a weekend episode instead. Now make your second listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all your favorite platforms, so follow and subscribe today. As always, thank you for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!